and welcome to episode two of the podcast, which we are yet to have a name for, but we're calling it the Arch Podcast. But I think we can can come up with a better name than that. Anyway, welcome, um, and I have my first guest uh, in episode two, which I'm very very happy about. Uh, welcome, William. Uh, thanks, Brian. Thanks for you. How are you this morning? Oh, this afternoon. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Good. Uh, woke good up stuff. quite happy. I've done a lot of things this morning, so I'm quite on top of you in my, my wee world. Uh, excellent. Excellent stuff. So, we're going to talk about um, homelessness. We're going to look at um, sort of what homelessness is and, and how hopefully it can be overcome and how people can manage that, change that. And yeah. uh, so, hence the reason you've. you've uh, Gladly accepted to to come and chat with us today. Ah, it's my pleasure about yeah. about what we your experiences are and uh, yeah. So, how long have you been at the arch? Yeah, I've been at the arch now four weeks. Uh, yeah, previous to that, I was in prison for for for, for something I'm ashamed of, but it was something that happened through mental illness caused by being homeless in the past. Yeah. My, my homelessness began self-inflicted, to be honest. I had a series of, uh, uh, a lot of grief, a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of grief in my life, and I never handled it too well. I never sought uh, help in any way. I never sought any form of counselling. I just decided that I could sort it myself through alcohol which led to me losing my house, my car, my job, my, my relationships, my family. Yeah, I watched a steady decline into homeless, homeless units, drugs, drink, broken bones, broken legs, <laughs> homeless hostels, <coughs> and then I managed to pick myself up again, but by that time, mental illness had overtook, overtook me, and that led to... Uh, constant alcohol abuse which I then get raised as, a, as an alcoholic so in a way my, my, my fault self-inflicted but things spiralled out of control because I wasn't aware of the help that, I, that if I'd reached out I could have got yeah. I, I, didn't, I didn't know about organisations such as where I'm just now the arts and I didn't know I could get counselling to help me I just Kind of thought I'll sort it myself. Nobody's yeah. really given a given a hoot, which is wrong. If I'd actually reached out uh, for help, it would have been there. But no, it, it was like an ignorance. There was no advertisement for people like myself where I could go and get help. Whether that be me, no searching for it, or just it wasn't, it wasn't mm. available. I had no knowledge of the help that I could have received. So, but well, let's take it back a wee bit. You've you've given us a lot of information there. Yeah. Um. So, so let's kind of take it back. So you you you've been at the arts now for four weeks. Yep. Uh, and prior to that, you said you'd well, you'd come from from prison. From prison. So how how long had you been there? Yeah, prison seven years. Seven. Um. And, and prior to that, what had life been like? Yeah, prior to prison, I was I, was, I had my own house on the tenancy. I got through Sam H, one of the charities that, that were helping me. Okay, and how how long had you had that accommodation? Yeah, four years. Okay, 
No, I was a performing alcoholic. I was I was getting help. Yeah. It was all a mess, Brian. It was all all all, all uh, as I say, self inflicted. Yeah. So Sam H. So they were helping you. Then. Yeah, Sam H. And there's another couple of charities that were helping me, but I can't remember who they were. So, uh, so what kind of form did you know Sam H. help you with them? How did that? They helped me get my flat to begin me, and then they helped me uh, furnish it bit by bit. But what what I found was. I managed to do my house up like a palace through charity shops and through going to charity shops I thought these people every time I come in here these people have got nothing and they're giving their time to help people with nothing mm-hmm. and I've never met a happier bunch of people in my life and in, in the charity in shops in the charity shops and that was like a magnet to me that how, how are these people I know if they're walking about the streets of the city where I was staying at the time if they can be happy, then surely, surely I can be happy. And that, that led me into working for charities. But at the same time, I was working for charities. I was still a performing alcoholic. I was still drinking every day to drown out childhood abuse, which I didn't know at the time. That's my reason, but I, I never know. But then, back then, I didn't know. But I just knew that my, my future lay in charities, voluntary work, helping homeless, that's where my, 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 my outlook in life is focused on just now is helping other people so that they don't do the things that I've done through, I, I suffered severe mental health issues which, which made me commit a crime which I'm deeply ashamed of and I'm, not, I'm not ashamed to talk about it because it's something that I'd like people should know how far down you, you, you can go and uh, from that moment I just I'm, I'm focused now on getting well first and foremost and then hopefully if I can if I can talk to somebody help somebody for leading the life that I led and they, although it was comfortable at the time being drunk all the time you don't you don't nothing you've having any worries mm-hmm. but it was so wrong and if I can if I can make that worthwhile, that misery I suffered, if I can make that worthwhile and, and, and put that to good use, helping somebody else and make the same mistakes as myself, then then I think my life hasn't been wasted. Fantastic. Whereas if I was just to continue being a homeless guy, depending on handouts, then I'll never get better and, and, and that would be a waste of my life. If I can help some other person for suffering what I suffered, mm-hmm. self-inflicted suffering, but if I can prevent somebody that happening to it, then then my work, my life will have been worthwhile. Because I come from a professional family, drawing nurses and. Well, well, I was actually going to ask you that. So, so uh, going back to your sort of childhood, I suppose, and or, you know maybe your teenage years, and you know school, how was school, and and then moving from school into employment. But was that something that happened for you? School and employment for me was. Uh, quite a, a, a chore not because I'm lazy and I didn't know why I work I've been a worker all my life until I became an alcoholic but I suffered from low self esteem the masses ego through childhood, childhood abuse not sexual, physical but that left me with, with, with such low self esteem I never felt worthy 
always, am I doing my job right? Am I going to get sacked tomorrow? Is this house going to be taken away from me? Am I, am I going to get that overtime payment? And all that working week was, was full of negativity. I never felt worthy. And I'm also small of stature, so that didn't help me with my mental health. I was always felt like the odd one out. And, and it was all self-esteem, it was lack of self-esteem due to uh, physical abuse inflicted by a family member. So that, that made it even worse. It wasn't as if I was being bullied out in the streets. I was being bullied in my home. Then I was going to school, I was being bullied because of my stature. Uh, and that, 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 that left me feeling so inadequate in the working world. And when I did go to... to uh, have employment. I never felt worthy, although I was given a job, I was the best interviewee there. I never felt they must have gave me it for this reason or that reason. Yeah. I just never, I've never ever felt comfortable in my own skin. Never, even even in a stair, still don't feel comfortable. And I'm in a secure environment. I've got support workers, which are second to none. They, I still don't feel worthy. I'm just waiting in the rug being constantly pulled out from under me, no matter what I'd achieve in life. So I just feel I'm going to lose it at any, yeah. any given moment, so yeah. I have that constant fear, that constant worry. So what job was it? What, what did you do? Yeah, my family had a landscaping business, so I worked for the family for a few years, and then they lost the business through insurance purposes, blah, blah, blah. And uh, I became a bus driver, buses and coaches, but I, I doubted I would ever pass my test, and I've passed with flying colours. I doubted my ability to perform my duties well, yeah. and I perform my duties to the best of my abilities, and I just never ever felt worthy of mm -hmm. anything. I was always waiting in the sack, I was waiting in the rugby pool, because that was all I ever experienced was uh, physical abuse, mental abuse, which was yeah. worse. And I've just never felt comfortable in my skin. Never. Which, which, you know, looking at you just now and speaking with you, and, and obviously getting to know you over the last few weeks, uh, you seem a really lovely guy, a really nice person, uh, and it would, it, 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 in the face of it, you know, it, it seems um, inconceivable that you <laughs> would lose your job, or you know, because of anything. No. If if you were, no. you know, a, 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 you know, you got the job, you you, you the top interviewee. Um, you know, and you've got a secure, secure job, and and uh, it's a shame that you felt that that, that was something that may be taken away from you. It, it's it's no, it, it's the insecurity that the, the low self esteem brings on. It's a massive, massive force in people's life. If they suffer with low self esteem, you're on a your jacket's constantly going to be in a shaky nail mentally because you're expecting the bad to happen. So when the bad happens, you're like, well, there's a comfort in it. Because you know that that was, the, that was going to be the end result anyway, so you're not disappointed when you do get sacked, if you do get sacked, you're, you, you, you're not be disappointed because that's yeah. all you've ever expected, yeah. that's all you're ever used to. An inevitability anyway. Yeah, it's happening and, yeah. and then, then it happens, and you, you, it's not as if you don't expect it, then it happens, then you really suffer. You, A normal person getting sacked for a job would be a big, big shock to their system, probably send them back years in and in hang but for yeah. me it was like oh I'm glad that's over what's yeah. next because I know that that was going to happen anyway it better happen than now it's happening next week or next year so was anyone aware that 
this is how you were feeling that you were suffering in that no, way no because I suffered for such low self esteem I couldn't express myself proper I couldn't I didn't know how to reach out to somebody and say listen I'm getting battered on a daily basis yeah, I'm being abused on a daily basis physically and mentally I'd never be worthy you're going to end up in prison one day you're never going to amount too much and the, that coupled with the fact that I'm smaller stature was all just one big massive black cloud I carried about me all my life and I'm in my 50s now and I still carry that black cloud so you that said, will never leave me it's been so ingrained in my you said something interesting you know you said there about um the, the, there was words you know you you end up in prison but was people telling you that or was no, that was you telling that, yourself no no that was that getting that rammed in my throat you're never going to amount to nothing how can you not be like your brother how can you not be like your sister how can you not be doing this how come you're not doing that and then and when, when I looked about my family and my friends there was nothing that any one of them had that I wanted nothing nothing money has never been my my, my goal my, my goal has always been personal happiness and i could never achieve it because i had such low self-esteem so i was chasing a rainbow yeah whereas like if i had chased what my family thought i should be doing that i i, I would have been probably more satisfied with my life so it's like a, a self-fulfilling prophecy then i suppose yeah. it just shows you the importance of words oh yeah, yeah. And how they kind of affect somebody. in your life somebody mm. constantly breaks you you will be that person that they they, they, they mould you because that is your sip that is your mother that's, that's, that's giving you this so that, that's the person you look up to the most on the planet I mean even to this day I was stepping in front of a bullet for her but at the end of the day she designed me she gave birth to me she designed me she, she, she modelled me like a clay model and every single thing she says about me is came through not because that was what I was destined to be because that's what I was she expected of me and that's the way I became it's, it's so so deep ingrained within me that I was never going to be anybody never going to do anything I was going to be a waste and I thought what's the point then why disappoint your mother? You nobody wants to disappoint her mother or your family member yeah. or whoever's firing that abuse. You don't want to disappoint that person. Yeah. You're, in, you're incapable of change because you just know you're going out that door in the morning or that evening or wherever you're going to go and you're just such a waste. Did it become the norm? It became the norm to the point where I was thinking about suicide. Yeah, constant thoughts, dark thoughts in on your head. How do I escape this misery? And, and, how do I escape this? And then, when you do start going down the tubes, well, I mean, I had the big car, I had the big BMW, the house in the Highlands, blah, 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 blah. I watched all that dwindle away, and, 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 and every piece of that life I was losing, I became more happier. So, so what age were you then when you had the big car and the house? And in my 40s. So, so, how, so what, what happened when you were a bus driver? So when, when, when did... Things there change. Yeah, I'd say I had a couple of deaths in my, my life that were quite dramatic, and that changed me. And then I started drinking more and more to, to drown that instead of seeking help because I didn't know who to ask for help at that time. So I just kept drinking more and more and more. Yeah. And then eventually, obviously, your license will go. So you were kind of found out to yeah, some degree, yeah, right? No, yeah. no, and then I moved to the Highlands. I was working in Highlands for a few years, and that was just for me a real bad experience because I became even more lonely. 
isolated. I, 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 I didn't. I didn't form attachments to anybody while I was working in the city for many years. I, I didn't have any friends. I had a million acquaintances, millions of people I could go for a drink with, but not one person in my life was that I could call a friend, where I could confide in to to discuss my issues, and it just seemed to follow a black black path straight down into the gutter, basically through like a having anybody to talk to yeah mm. so looking back in that period is a was there anyone there who did reach out to you that you you didn't acknowledge or you, or you ignored or or I, I, was there just no one at all nobody at all nobody at all dealing with that myself on a daily basis for all my life even to this day I still deal with things myself as much as I can and always be amazing because that's what I'm pre, pre-tuned and, 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 and doing is failure failure's all I know and yet I've always been successful in everything I set out to achieve I achieve it but the worry leading up to the achievement blinds the the joy of achieving your, your target you don't enjoy it because you spend that much worrying about it when it does happen it's as if it's, 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 it's strange mental illnesses are real real strange strange thing real real strange thing so fr- so prior to you said you had accommodation prior to yeah. uh, being away for a while shall we say mm. um, so so just talk us up to, to that point when you had that accommodation, you know, and, and you could then leading on from sort of home, leading on to sort of homelessness and, and, and what your experiences there were. Well, I had the job and the car and the, the money, masses of money, more money than I knew how to spend because I was, I wasn't doing anything for me, my money at the time. And I just drank it, and I felt lonely and depressed. And I came back to Glasgow, and I went for a pint one Saturday. Met a few of my real friends for years ago, people I did actually, I could actually speak to. And I just spent so long in their company. I had a, I drank all my money, lost my car, lost my job, lost everything. Ended up in a homeless hostel. The usual drunk, broken bones, hospital, out of hospital, rehab, out detox, back, 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 and that affected my mental health. And at the time, I had a couple of acquaintances that were the same as me. They were just drinking, 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 to the point where the alcohol just overtook my whole mind. Yeah. And unfortunately, I had a situation that resulted in me in going to prison, lost my house, yeah, lost any, any, any at all. Small fragments of self-esteem that I did have were just thrown out the window. But see, when I lost my house and I was in the streets and I was getting broken bones, I started working for uh, charities and uh, for once in my life I felt happy. But unfortunately, my mental health issues put me into a, a mental hospital. I spent a few months in the mental hospital, signed myself out, get sectioned and back into the mental hospital again. And they, and they go on all different kind of medications. 
and when I get out of there, I started working in different charity shops. But by that time, I had psychosis caused through my alcohol abuse. I had a psychotic disorder, and unfortunately, I ended up in prison. And seven years later, here I am, still with the same low self-esteem, reasonably happy, feel a bit more safe in, in my world. Yeah. How did you um, come to know about the arch? Yeah, f- funny, it was like fate. I bumped into a lady in the the, the prisons, a, a, a chaplain. I didn't know she was a chaplain. I just thought she was a... I don't know what I thought she was, but we get talking one day and suddenly I discovered that she was a chaplain and she she was also a counsellor and she... she in a ten-minute conversation, she she managed to extract out of me more information than anybody ever has. <laughs> yeah, and she recommended she recommended me for the app. Said there's a possibility she could maybe help, and I just went with the flow because where else was I going to go? And uh, I had an interview with, with the manager of the arts, Brian, and uh, one of the support workers, William, we beautiful people. They came, they interviewed me, and I just had this feeling that I knew I was getting it, although they wouldn't confirm it at the time. I just had this feeling that I was, I was going to end up in the, in the arts. <laughs> uh, and, and here I am. Thanks for calling me a beautiful person. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, he's, he's done well, done well with me anyway. I've, sure. I've looked in the mirror recently. It's not how I would describe myself, but I appreciate that. So, so what was your um, your kind of thoughts then? Obviously, prior to to leaving, um, I mean, what was did you? I assume you had some fears, you had hopes. You what was your perception of of what was waiting on you when you left prison? Yeah, you talking about when I knew I was coming here? Oh, well, whether it was here, I mean, obviously, because that was how you know it was a weeks really, wasn't it, no. before you left? So, so maybe even a couple of months, you know, before that. What what was your expectation? But where did you think you were going to be? Well, I had, I had a few arguments with my social worker in in, in the prison. He kept saying to me that they would get me accommodation. Uh, they would help sort things out for me, and I kept saying, "Hey, that's not going to happen. I'm going to be walking out that door with with a lib grant to call it seventy-two pound, and my clothes in a bag in the other hand." And that's exactly what happened to me. Except I was fortunate that I had already been offered the arch an interview. My sister had uh, put me up for a week until such time as the arts became available. But exactly what I say is to the 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 prison. In your 40s, the social work, the psychiatrist is exactly what came through. Tuesday, 12th of February at 9, 10am in the morning, I was taken down to the door, handed £72 in cash, uh, £40 savings, plastic bag with my clothes in it, and standing outside the prison in a freezing cold winter's morning. I was fortunate that I was one of the lucky ones that had a sister coming to pick me up in the car, took me to her house, put me up for a week until the arts became available. But if I never had the arts, I never had a sister. But I prophesied came through, standing outside a prison in the middle of the a winter's morning with £72 liberation grant in my pocket and a bag of clothes in the other. And nowhere to go. And nowhere to go. Because when my sister took me to the different uh, social work in the, the homeless place, 
It took me all day to get there, and that was me getting taken there in a car. And when I did get to the place where I was to register as homeless, with a view to getting a bed for the night, they turned around and said they'd nowhere for me to go. Have I got anywhere I could go? And I was in a fortunate position. I was going you to my sister's. Sister. Yeah. But if I had nobody that night, when they told me they'd nowhere to put me, I would have had to go out and find myself some a warm doorway to sleep in. And the chances are, I would have been back to prison because in prison I had a bed, a dinner, three dinners a day, a wage packet through the, 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 the job in there. Now, I, I would have been back in prison. So I would have been happy to go back to prison rather well, than sleep in the streets. That's, well, that's quite sobering, really. Well, I, I, when I was in prison, I used to watch people going out and back in two weeks later, out and back in three weeks later, and I'd say to myself, they're just assholes. There's no way I'm going to do a sentence like they have just done and go there and be back in in, a, in a two weeks' time. And I watched the people come in and I condemned them for, for being what I thought were losers. And you know something? I experienced it myself and I can totally understand why that can happen. So how do you think we can change that? Things need to be put, put in place for prisoners doing long-term sentences that are just suddenly seven years in a, in a, in a secure environment, three square meals a day and a wage packet and blah, 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 and then to be flung out the door with a plastic bag of your belongings in one hand and £72 liberation grant in the other and there's nowhere to put you. You're going to go and commit a crime. There's no 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 man I know that's, that's going to go hungry when there's a supermarket bursting at seams with food. They're binning it in the skips of the night. There's no way you're going to go hungry when that's there. You're going, you're going to commit a crime. You need to survive. £72 mm-hmm. doesn't last long. Mm-hmm. Cost me out if, if I'd have left the prison without my sister, it would have cost me the best part of £30 to get to the six different places I had to go to. Not in the name was on a bus route, it would be taxis. So mm-hmm. you're £70 gone in an instant, and then you're left with nothing, sleeping in a shop doorway. You're going to beg. You're going to steal. You might not go and hurt anybody. That's not happening to harm. But you're, you're certainly looking at these shops bursting at seams of food. You're going to go and lift a piece of food. And you're going to sit back to prison. Yeah. I, I know guys, and this is the God's honest truth, that have walked into the city centre and just picked up a brick and flung it through a window and just sat down waiting for police coming. Or they went one to, or they went even a bit more extreme than that and assaulted them to take it back in prison just because of the situation they're in. That, that should never happen in this day and age. Yeah. This is millennium and there's people sleeping in the streets. There's MPs dishing out awards to themselves, money to themselves, buying, spending millions of pounds on a statue that was just built. When, 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 when there's people going hungry, there's no housing. Why is there no housing? Why is there no way to put long-term prisoners coming out of prison that are desperate need a rehab? Guys that are being professional, Workers all their life, they committed a crime through whatever circumstance. But everybody deserves a second chance. You're not getting anybody yeah. a chance if you just release them from prison. We know where to go. You're, you're pouring petrol on a fire. Yeah. So, what's the arts giving you? Yeah, security, a roof over my head, a warm bed, a furnished flat, yeah, help with my benefits, raising my self esteem. My, my sense of self-worth has risen. Uh, people are talking to me like an equal, there's nobody talking down to me. Uh, I feel for once in my life, at my age, 54-year-old, for once in my life I feel like a member 
a member of society, a decent member of my community. They, they've given me a, a work ethos where, where, where I'd like to become maybe a councillor, uh, try and break the, the, the cycle of this for somebody else that's maybe no uh, as strong-willed as me. Uh, yeah, a lot more, more than I can put any words. A um, lot more than I could ever put any words. What's your hopes? How long do you see yourself being here and what's your hopes after that? Yeah, I don't, I, don't, I, I couldn't put a time on how long I'll be here, but I'd like to be here long enough to get more accommodation or more tenancy, set myself up with, with the people that I'm, that I'm surrounded with, get a relationship going with them, uh, and then hopefully one day become a counsellor. I'd like to work for charities, that's, that's my target. Uh, I've had my chance at the dance of becoming a millionaire living in the Bahamas, that's gone, <laughs> so... If I can, if I can get a job back in the charity shops uh, and try and college, maybe uni, try and get a degree in sociology, something like that. Even if I don't achieve that, at least some form of counselling job where I can sit and dissuade somebody if he's going down the road that I went down, show them where I went wrong, and see if if, if that would that that could help. William, I've thoroughly loved chatting with you. It's been. Superb, it's been enlightening. Thank you, Brian. And uh, yeah, thanks very much. Thanks, Brian. Thank you. Thanks, William. Thank you for being the first to join us on the Arch podcast here uh, to talk about your life, your experiences, and uh, you know, sharing with us that how things could possibly change, what needs to change. So, so grateful. Thank you, William, for, for being the first person uh, on our show. Now, we want to do more. We want to speak with more people, people in influence, people who have lived the experience. We want to hear from them, and that's what we're going to do. Uh, if our future podcasts are half as good as this first one, then we're going to have a long and successful series. Listen, you can get in touch. You can join the conversation. Uh, we want to hear from you. We want to hear of, of suggestions, topics that you'd like us to discuss. Do you have people in mind that we can approach to ask the, the, the serious questions? You can get in contact with us through Facebook the Arch Resettlement Centre. You can drop us a message on Twitter or email. On Twitter it's Arch the and email is info at scottishchristianalliance.org.uk You can also have a look at our website which is www.scottishchristianalliance.org.uk It's been great, a great first episode. Look forward to doing more. Look forward to hearing about the, the lives of people who you know, have been blighted by homelessness. And we want to change that. We want to be part of, of all the, the great services that are in the city. We want to come together and change the, the situation for, for hundreds of people that are out there, you know, sleeping rough, don't have a place to call their own. Men, women, children families devastated by situations that they find themselves in and we want to change that 
and we want you to help us. So spread the word, tell your friends, tell your family, get listening to these podcasts and just let's change Glasgow for the better. It's been great chatting with you. Take care.